Want to be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card? Heck, who doesn't? All you need to do is head over to astoryinside.com backslash survey and answer some quick questions about this podcast. Are you worried about giving us your email address? We promise we won't use it for anything but letting you know if you won. I hope that after I, I do one book that I, that, you know, there's something else behind there because I feel like it's, it's important. I feel like it's a passion that I really want to, want to push myself to do. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm your host, Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside, and I am interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. You do not become a high-performance coach with the Chicago Bulls because you tackle life lightly. Wendy Balabi has worked with the NBA in the United States Olympic Committee, and on the non-for-profit side, she works with inner-city kids, who she coaches on career in sports. As about 1% end up in the NBA and NFL, she has them look at what other options to explore in their future. She's a solo parent to twins and seemingly always on a plane, so I feel very fortunate to have her here today. How are you doing today, Wendy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm so excited to be here. This is this is really great. This is fun. I'm excited. So tell me, um, you know, sports was a pivotal part of you growing up. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I'm actually originally from from Ghana, and when I came to the United States, was in the it was in the late 70s, and um, my my dad and my my brother learned of uh, American football, and so that was um, on Sundays they watched football. As I said, we watched football. And so my parents were, you know, going to, they're working and trying to get their education. And so they were gone a lot, but Sundays they, they were home. And so that was um, the time we spent together was watching football. And we also watched Westerns. I'm not really sure how that connected, but we also watched a lot of old Westerns, but Sunday was the day. And so um, sport just became, a, it was one of the things that, you know, we did. And they wanted us to, of course, you know, when you come to America to play every sport. So we we played everything, but that was just like the thing that we always as a family were that we did. And so that just became a synonymous to me of just, you know, comfort and love and familiarity. So sports was it. Mm, I love that. And sort of back in the day, we're aging ourselves a little bit here <laughs> on TV. You basically took what you got. And there were a lot of Westerns on like Sunday afternoons. Yes. There, was a lot of, there was a lot of Clint Eastwood and then other people you're like, I don't, I don't know who that is. Um, did you have a career backup plan or was it always like, I'm going to work for a major sports organization like that? Oh, I'm going to say this was the backup plan, but it wasn't even a backup plan. I had no idea, um, which is essentially how, you know, my non-for-profit was not came about because I found out about sports psychology um, after I graduated undergraduate and um, my, I was working at a facility for day treatment and depressed and schizophrenic mm-hmm. adults. And one of my coworkers was going to a sports site conference mm-hmm. in New Orleans. And so she knew I was an athlete. And so she said, you know, would you go with me? And our job was going to pay for it. So um, I went and had a fabulous weekend in New Orleans. <laughs> I bet. I don't even think I attended a single sports site thing at all. It was just a great weekend in New Orleans. Um, and then like a year or so later, I started thinking, you know, what is this sports site thing? What is this about? Um, and so I looked into it and, and realized it's, it's, fits exactly who I am. I, 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 I get to work with people. I get to help them achieve what they want to accomplish and I get to watch sports all day. So I just started looking more into it and then went in to get my master's and 
and then my doctorate, but it was nothing on my radar, had no idea. I mean, I thought I was going to play professionally and then, you know, retire. And I, I don't know what I thought I was going to do after that. So um, this was not even on my radar. It just, I was at the right time and found this information and, you know, made a career out of it. I love that, that you went where you were led and, <laughs> you know, what it sounds like sort of, you know, as a book coach, I work with people on their stories and their fears and, you know, you have uh sports legends that you work with that are getting up in front of a million people and dealing <laughs> with, you know, being criticized. Like, how do you instill trust in people that are so iconic? Sure. So I think that the first thing is that I um I don't mm, interact with them as they're iconic. I interact with them as just a regular people because they get that from everybody else. Right. So, so when we talk, it's, they're just a regular person to, um, to me and I don't give them any special treatment. There isn't any, you know, any consideration. You still gotta, you know, follow the rules of engagement. You gotta text me back. You gotta call, you know, those kind of things. We have appointment. You gotta meet me and all that kind of stuff. So I don't do anything kind of special or run myself ragged, try to meet you to meet your schedule, which I get from other people. And so, um, I think that appeals to them that they're, I just view them as just a regular person. Um, and then I, I, I let everything happen organically. So nothing is ever forced or pushed. And so I may be, um, like, like when I was at the Olympics, I may be working with the team and, um, I may not even have interaction with the player. I don't know, for six or seven months, um, besides just seeing them and we just kind of wave at each other. Mm-hmm. There was no, there was no need for me to come to them. There was no need for them to come to me. Um, if they were sitting down, happen to sit down at a table you know, eating and conversation strikes up naturally, then we, we do that. But if we're at a conversation, we're sitting at the table, I'm not, you know, looking to hey, hey, conversation. Hey. hey, hey, yeah. I'm not looking to do that. So <laughs> if it doesn't happen organically, it doesn't happen. So I think that, you know, I think that appeals to them. And then I think the third thing is that I, I am me regardless of the, you know, the setting that you get me in. And so, um, I, I'm just a real person with all my flaws and my, you know, my funny jokes and my quirkiness and all that. And again, it doesn't matter who I'm talking to. You're still going to get the same me. And so they, I, they see that and realize, oh, it's actually, you know, she's all right. It's okay. What she's doing? What do we got going on there? And, you know, the conversation just kind of flows naturally. Yeah. You had mentioned there's some Wendyisms. Now, <laughs> is that people close to you that have pointed those out or have you coined your own phrases for that? No, actually the person that took that, which in Orlando, she, she, she coined my, the, the phrase Wendyisms because I, um, I, I, I make up, I, I like to make up things that, that, that fit. Um, but they're, but it just kind of, uh, it just kind of goes with, uh, situations and flows. And so it, you kind of, kind of think, well, that didn't really make any sense. But then when you really think about it, for example, would be, I, I, I put, um, self-awareness and body odor together. Okay. Which, I don't know. Doesn't. What do you, what do you mean? Explain that more. Exactly. That, that's the Wendyism. What do you mean? That doesn't make any sense. Well, when you think about, um, when you're learning self-awareness, learning to pay attention to yourself, when you think about body mm-hmm. odor, when you, when you smell people, you know, people tell you that you smell. That's like, like the first, you know, line. Someone right. will tell you that you smell. When you smell yourself, that's when you really are overboard, right? That's really bad. And so in order to get to the point where someone's not telling you that you smell or when you smell yourself, you have to check yourself. So you've got to check all the time. And that's where the self-awareness comes in. So you're constantly right. checking in with yourself. And mm. That's where the whole body odor comes in. You're constantly checking. This. So I say you're smelling yourself. I you- love. 
Just you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself is like another way we could say it. Um, And then there's those days we just don't care. We're like, I'm just going to smell. (laughs) So, you know, how do you prepare? You were explaining to me that there's this sort of walk towards the gym and then you get in the gym and it sounds like you're very, you know, low key about what you do and confident. But are there any things that you do in the morning before you get up? I mean, it's to, with twins, probably not a lot of time, but is there anything that like specially do that gets you ready, like your mental game? Um, I, I don't do anything that's like specifically focused to, to make sure that I'm ready mentally to, to come to work or prepared with twins by myself. I, there's just, I just need to make sure my, you know, I wake up and there's just the things that I want to do, which working out is just one of those things that I've learned through time that Mm. Um, pr- even pre-twins, before the twins, that I, I'm just one of those people that I, I need to work out in the morning. First thing, if I put it off till 10 o'clock, it didn't happen. I'll, I'll do it at, at four. It didn't happen. So it's got to be the first thing in the morning when I get up. And so that's just, that's, that's just part of, you know, my, my routine, if you will. Um, yeah. but I don't, I, I don't do anything to get ready because I, I really feel that, um, everything that I have is, is, is already right here. And I just rely on, the, the relationship, the connection and on the information that I, that I have in my head. And I love the off the cuff. That's the piece that is like the best, one of the best parts about this job is that I have no idea what's going to happen as I'm walking to my office and some player comes to me and then I've got to, I got to fire away right then. That, that's it. That's my opportunity. And I gotta, I gotta know what I'm doing. And so, um, I, I love that piece of just having to, to do off the cuff. Who doesn't want to live a pain-free life? Asutra's magnesium products are the go-to for part owner and tennis great Venus Williams. Plus, they have a fantastic yoga mat spray. Go to asutra.com, that's A-S-U-T-R-A.com, and enter books at checkout before March 2nd for 15% off your first order. So, kids on your own. There's a story behind that. It's a very touching story. And, you know, I don't, I, I have rarely to meet a woman that hasn't had fibroids at some point. Mm-hmm. And you had a situation where you needed an operation for them. And it was sort of like do or die. It's like now or never for kids. And you went for it. Tell me about that. What was that decision? Sure. And it was a, you know, as most every, major life decision I've ever made. It's, it's, it just happens like that. But it was, it was in October, 2011. I, I remember it. I was, uh, I went to the doctor. He said, this is what's going on that cause they had formed on my uterus. And this was, that was the, the do or die piece. And that now that they were, um, had formed on the uterus, they will continue to. So, you know, if we, we could have the first surgery to, to take them off. And, the, and if that's successful, the chances of us having multiple surgeries and not nicking, cutting, or, you know, tearing your uterus goes really slim. So this is this is the window that we have here, and so um, I left the office. I was I uh, went to the gas station. I was pumping gas, and I called my mom, and I said, "I'm going to have the surgery, and I'm going to try to get pregnant." And she was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> like, this is I'm like this is this is it. This is this is what we're doing." And so that was October. I had the surgery in um, in, in January, and um, they actually removed um, nine fibroids and didn't nick, scratch, nothing, my uterus, and. Um, Started the, the injections and, and, in April and used an anonymous donor and, uh, and then, you know, God gave me twins. And so I was pregnant in, in April and 20, 2012, which was 
Summer Olympics. So I was actually five and a half months pregnant at London at Summer Olympics um, with the twins, <laughs> which was fun. <laughs> That's exciting. Well, I, I mean, I think that gives people courage, you know, to realize that there's, there's, there's another answer, you know, like you're a career woman, you know, or we just haven't met the right guy or girl, or, you know, just don't have the partner to do it with. And it's like, mm-hmm. you got to partner with yourself, like, you know, and say, am I, do I really want to be a mother? Is this, is this something? And, you know, and then the process happened fast for you. Like you found mm-hmm. the donor and next thing you know, you were pregnant, as you said, like, like in London, were you supported like as a whole by, the community? Like, do you have a tribe of women that you lean on or was this kind of a solo expedition? Um, well, in the, in the, in the process and moving forward, I mean, I, I did with, with my family. I mean, I, I was supportive of my family and I definitely have, um, you know, as I, you know, I tried a couple of women, um, that I, that I used and air supported on and a couple of men, but it was, um, I'm, I'm, I work, should I say in, in situations that, um, are stressful, for me personally, um, the way that I work the best and the way that it's able to handle and adapt situations is to um, just to just move forward. And so mm. in, in order to move forward, I felt like the least amount of people that were going to contact me on a regular basis is to ask me how because I, I was actually pretty sick. I, I, I ended up having to do um, IV treatments about every day and I, oh. I lost 17 pounds before I even gained weight. So. Um, I, I went from a size eight to, a, I was wearing a size 10 during the Olympic games and I was five and a half months pregnant with the twins. And so I, I was, I was pretty sick. And so, um, mm. I, I wanted to minimize the number of people that were going to continue to, to contact me. And so I needed to just go on with my life and, and work things out as it happens. And if I needed something, I would reach out for it. And so I felt that was the best way to do that. And, and the people that were there supported me. I shared that with them. And so they were great in that they, there wasn't any of the, the lurking, but if I reached out, they knew. I needed, I, I needed something. Like I needed now. some support. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so it be, it became, it became, it became quite nice. And it was, it was, and it was really, and it was really great for me to be able to um, have this experience. And, and I was going to say, what is true? It gave me, it, it was great on a professional level because there were things that I, that I had um, talked to players about and things that I've asked athletes to do and that I had done, but not to this level. I mean, it was, so I, I had the experience of saying, you know, I mean, I was, I was nauseous for 10 months. And so when I, when we talk about the things to do to, um, to not focus on the pain, um, and in order to accomplish a task, I, I, I use that and I, (laughs) (laughs) I did that every day. And so it gave me that, you know, and I had to constantly revisit it and and shift it and change it because it changed with, with me and with the time. And so it gave me that opportunity, you know, um, professionally to, to explore that with the techniques and things that I was doing. So I thought that that was, that was, that that was a good piece of that. Um, but the support is obviously, I mean, it's, it's been great and, and, and always my family, my mom is amazing. I mean, she, the first thing she said to me after she got off the the shock of, wait, what are you going to do was, you know, I think I retire in two years. So yes, she could do this and I can move to come and help you. And so it was boom. Wow. That was it. Yeah. I mean, cause it takes, (laughs) it takes a try, you know, it takes a village, it takes a tribe, Mm-hmm. Um, I love this whole moving forward kind of concept, you know, um, you've talked to me about, you know, writing a book in the future and what's your relationship with writing? So I am not that great. <laughs> um, I obviously I write, I wrote and have written. Um, but I think this is a, 
this is a very, obviously a very different task is to be able to write a book. And so um, I think that it is, the challenge of it is so appealing to me because it's going to push me in directions that I, I feel like I haven't, I haven't done yet, which is, you know, part of that growth. I always feel like we always need to grow and develop. And that's part of, you know, wanting to do this. And so um, I think that it's, it's, again, it's not a great relationship, but I, I, I definitely feel that I'm um, taking this on, it will develop. And it was something, and I think that this is something that will, I, I hope that after I, I do one book that I, that, you know, there's something else behind there. Cause I feel like it's, it's important. I feel like it's a passion that I really want to want to push myself to do. It is a gateway for sure to new developments and there is pain involved. Um, <laughs> a different kind of pain. Yes. It, it's painful, but it's like, it's, it's, it's like a really beautiful pain. You know, when you mm-hmm. know you're doing something that you're aligned with, someone just said to me, like when you, when you're aligned with something, it's painful when you're doing it, but you feel like a million times better later. If you're not aligned with it, it feels good now, but later, Oh, do you pay yeah. the price? Right. 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 That, makes that instant gratification. And so books are definitely, books are definitely a long game. Would you be interested in writing about sort of the power of the woman or do you have, you know, more specific correlations with sports psychology and how to bring that, you know, that pain piece into everyday life? What kind of direction has crossed your mind? Um, I, I was actually thinking about, um, I like the way you said that the power of the woman, I, I didn't think about that that whole idea, but I, um, but I definitely think of the, the strength of, 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 of the woman. Um, and just thinking about from my mom and her mom and what, what they had to do in order for things to happen for us to be here in the United States. And so, right. um, just, just thinking about that, that development and then for myself and how that affected me and the things that I've, and what I've done and the way that I've carried on and how, even after I've had the twins, um, with, with my daughter, the shift in me on, um, pushing myself professionally, mentally, emotionally, because I, now I'm raising a young girl and this day and age that I wanted to empower her. And so I thought I, I have to, now I've got to push myself because I don't want to have that conversation with her where she says, I, I didn't do this because of X, Y, Z. And then I, I think, oh, I did the same thing. I mm-hmm. want to have a, you know, so yeah, even the shift for me of like, oh, wait, you got to do more because now you've got someone else that you've got to help to empower as well. That makes total sense. I, you know, in, in, in COVID with my daughters at home, I have now become acutely aware of how much I've watched everything Mm -hmm. I do, how I handle Mm -hmm. business, how I talk to people on the phone, how I, you know, converse with the mailman. I mean, it's like I'm being watched (laughs) and it's making me behave a lot better, I must say. Um, (laughs) and that's, that's the power of the next generation. Like we're all sort of saying, Hey, like, level up. Like yeah, let's absolutely. level up. We've got mm-hmm. stuff to do. Like we're just yes. getting started. Yes. We are. We're just getting started in this country and and you've come here, your 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 family, you've come to this country, you're part of that level up and it's been unbelievable to have you here on the show today and thank you so much for your time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This is this again. This is I love the whole po- women empowering women. If that's a That's a beautiful thing. Yep, we're going to do it. (laughs) You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe or review on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, Spotify, and Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts.